I know for some of us, Christmas was uh, such a fulfilling time. I know that um, if you were able to, to experience some, some just much-needed time with family, uh, maybe you got to take in our Christmas in the round service, or maybe you got to check out um, East or Bedford's uh, Christmas Eve service. Um, I, maybe you just got to experience the wonder of Christmas and the joy and the peace and, and the hope that Jesus uh, offers and that Christmas represents. Some of you might even say that Christmas helped you to feel whole, or full, or maybe complete after such a difficult year. But I, but I know also for many of you, this wasn't the case. Maybe the circumstances around your Christmas this year, uh, like the absence of family members, or the changing of normal traditions, or just not being able to attend these traditions in person, it, it actually left you feeling empty. Maybe uh, the stress of the season felt more like your tank is empty, or, or your battery was drained, um, and maybe you looked around, it was hard to see the, the joy of Christmas, or you didn't experience the peace of this time of year, or you're struggling to find hope in this new year that's coming. My hope for you this morning, and for all of us this morning, is that as we start this series, and you can see behind me, it's called The Pursuit of Holiness. It's a play on words. So holiness um, also uh, combined with that word whole, or wholeness. And so I hope that you this morning are as encouraged as I was preparing for this morning. Um, and through this introduction in the series, you can see that the joy and the hope that comes through experiencing the peace and wholeness. And I hope to unpack this for us this morning um, and what God says about the pursuit of spiritual wholeness and how that relates to holiness. So a little, little deep, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best to introduce it this morning. And I just want to pray before we get started. Dear Lord God, we, um, this morning we, we just give this to you. Um, God, I pray you open our hearts and our minds and our ears to you as we dive into your word this morning. Um, God, help us to lay our anxiousness, our worries, um, God, our troubles and all the things that are consuming our thoughts and, and stealing our peace. Um, God, I pray we can lay those down at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so before we dive into this, I, I think it's important that we, um, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna embark on this um, this new five-week series, and it's about holiness with the W, but I think we first, before we start talking about holiness and wholeness, we need to look biblically at what was, what is wholeness? And I think first, um, we have to do this so that we can, by looking biblically at it, we can shatter kind of what the world tries to lie and uh, sell us about self-help, maybe mindfulness, or if we just pursue this, this, or this, then, then we'll reach that feeling of wholeness, right? We'll, we'll be whole or we'll be complete if we just do this, if we just get there. So we're first going to look at shattering that lie. Um, and then um, because we know that once we pursue those things that the earth gives, we're just left feeling incomplete or empty after some time. And the second thing we're going to do is um, we're going to unpack that feeling of guilt that we also feel when we try to live this holy life, right? This holy life that's pleasing to God and, and trying to make our, our lives whole only to feel um, guilt when we stumble and fall, right? Any of you feel like 2020 continued over and over to try to steal your peace? Just as you started to feel some peace, the next thing came. And, and it just seemed like we were in this cycle of, of our peace being broken. Um, so what biblically does wholeness look like? 
uh, we just, as I said before, we just finished this series on the Christmas carols, and we looked at some of the songs surrounding Christmas and Jesus' birth, and, and I want to focus in on one um, this morning, and that was um, th- one of the names for Jesus in those songs, the Prince of Peace. One of my favorite names that Isaiah 9 gives for Jesus is this Prince of Peace. He spoke about the coming Messiah and that the coming Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. Um, But in this world that's constantly tearing us down, stealing our peace, and and making us feel as though we're always striving to, to live this holy life pleasing to God, I think peace is something that we would all gladly welcome in 2021. Something I think we miss when we read Isaiah 9 out of context or, or when we don't understand the historical context that Isaiah 9 was written, we really miss what Isaiah means when he says the Prince of Peace. You see, Isaiah prophesied to Judah from 740 to 700 BC. And in the middle of the Assyrian dominance or rule in the world, and, and even he, he leads, he prophesies to, uh, to Judah even through the siege of Jerusalem in 701 BC. Now, there's some irony here, and it's funny because Isaiah is calling Jesus the Prince of Peace, but we know princes and kings ruled, they were warriors, and they ruled in battles, and there were bloodshed, right? And he even got to see this overtaking of Jerusalem himself. And so the irony that comes by him calling Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and he claims that Jesus would sit atop of the throne of earth and rule with peace. Also, though, when we only look at this English word for peace, we miss out on what God actually intended and what Isaiah actually intended by using the the, the name should have been read and does translate Prince of Shalom. And so as we talk about this Hebrew word Shalom, um, it's a word that means wholeness, or completeness. So he's the prince of wholeness and the prince of completeness. Does much better job of painting that picture of peace. It's not peace in a world that's at battle or at war or peace with my neighbor. Um, it's it's a, an all-encompassing peace, a completeness, a kingdom where everything is as it should be and everything is in perfect order. Kind of like Eden was before the fall. Shalom with God, shalom with others, and shalom within oneself. I'd say that our world today is probably uh, just as much not like Eden as Judah was during that time. I think we can all agree on that. Shalom peace, it actually affects who we are and what we do. I think unpacking shalom helped me to understand um, the relationship between holiness and wholeness that we're going to unpack this morning. Peace with God, peace with others, and peace within myself. Shalom is one of the the key images for salvation in the Bible. The Hebrew word refers to a person being uninjured and safe, whole and sound. In the Old Testament, one of the names for God was Jehovah Shalom, which meant I am the God of peace. Shalom is this threading and webbing together of all of of God, of humans, and all of his creation in this perfect justice, in this perfect wholeness. And I thought this was really, really neat. So Isaiah's speaking at a time when they practiced the sacrificial system of becoming, of atonement, of becoming right before God. There were sacrifices. And and in the Levitical sacrificial system, the shalom 
offering is pretty incredible. This is the only offering where the offerer, us, atoning for our sins, the only offering where the offerer actually receives a part of that food, that offering back in order to eat. Think about this picture. We have now, a, a, it's so fitting, the, the, a joyful meal because we are made right before God. That The sin that separates us is atoned for. Doesn't that sound familiar to Jesus's sacrifice on the cross? We're the ones that receive the gift because of his sacrifice. We get to eat. We get to partake in that gift that, of, of that offering once that, that Jesus did once and for all on the cross. That is where we find shalom, and that's where we, we receive this peace in return. In the New Testament, shalom is revealed as the reconciliation of all things to God through the work of Christ. And I want you to hear this in Colossians 1, 19 and 20. God was pleased through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Christ's blood shed on the cross. A complete well-being in every aspect of our lives. And that's why over the next five weeks, today we're just going to scratch the surface and talk about um, this spiritual wholeness. But over the next five weeks, we're going to dive deep into spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, and sexual wholeness. And we're going to look biblically at what that looks like and what a perfect time to start it as this new year. So what does Jesus... Um, what does Jesus say about this shalom? We know it encompasses everything, all parts of our lives. In John 14, um, verse 27, before his arrest and crucifixion, uh, he's, he's comforting his disciples. And, and I love what he says. He says, peace I leave with you, shalom. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That is the idea of shalom. He's not giving peace like the world gives peace, only for tomorrow that peace is going to be broken, either by my own stumbling, my own sin, or by my own, um, my own lack of shalom within myself. So after his resurrection, though, he keeps using this word shalom. And I love it each time because his disciples, remember, they've scattered. And so he is assuring them, and he keeps using this term shalom, peace be with you. He used it in John 20, verses 19, 21, and 26, three different times when he, uh, when he visited the disciples before his ascension to heaven, after he had resurrected. You see, Jesus' holiness gave him shalom in his life. Think about the story when Jesus is on the boat and his, with his disciples in the violent storm. The disciples are losing their minds, and, and what's Jesus doing? He's sleeping, right? He's sleeping. What about during his arrest? When the, the, the lack of shalom there, when we're, we pull a sword out and we're cutting off the, the soldier's ear and, and, and then the, the disciples are scattering and running and hiding, what's Jesus doing? Offering himself up. What about dur during his, um, his unjust trial and his unfair sentencing or even as he's being nailed to the cross to, to die for us? He had shalom. He had a, an, an understanding that he was at peace with God, he was at peace within himself, and he was at peace with others. This is that shalom. So all we have to do is be holy like Jesus, right? <laughs> that helps, doesn't it? If we're just holy like Jesus, we're good. But, but I don't know about you, but 
what does that word holy then bring up in your mind? For, for me, it brings up two feelings. Number one is guilt, because I'm not holy, right? It brings up the guilt, and then it also brings up hypocrisy. I know God says for me to be holy because I am holy, but I go into instant guilt. I know my shortcomings, my sins. I know my lack of trust. I know my uh, selfishness, my pride. I, I see all these things, and instantly my mind goes, when I hear holy, to guilt. But the word holy also brings up another image of the hypocrite, right? The holy roller, the self-righteous, look at me, I'm so holy. And I think we know what hypocrisy does to the church and we know what it does to, as we try to share the message of Jesus with others. Hypocrisy kills that. So what does pursuing holiness look like? We know that sin disrupts holiness and gets in the way of shalom with God. So if I'm sinless, I will be holy and whole. Got it. Everybody good? We'll see you next week. Right? Wouldn't that be nice? But, but, but we, know, we, we know that because of our, the, the, the shalom that we do not get to experience every day or that we don't experience, that we continue this cycle right back to guilt. Because I leave and before I get home or before the day ends or before the week ends, I, I've sinned and, I've, and I'm beating myself up over, over that sin. And, I'll, and I have to come to the realization that I will never be holy in my own power. But isn't that Satan? Satan takes the truths and he adds enough lie and, a, and enough twist to steal our shalom. Right? We, we, we understand that what comes with God's holiness is God's holy wrath towards sin, not towards us, God's holy wrath towards sin. And none of us want to be a part of God's wrath. And so what does Satan do? We, we hate that sin in our life and we're constantly striving to be holy. And that, and that caught, which causes us to never feel that shalom. And it creates this vicious cycle, right? This vicious cycle in, in our lives. That's where Satan jumps into the equation. Satan jumps in to try to steal that shalom and to convince us that just because we want to be nowhere a part of God's wrath, then we're not holy and we're not worthy. And I love how right after this, I love this part in John, as Jesus is comforting his disciples and he's, now he's died and he's resurrected and he is, um, he's leaving them with something. And he says this in John 20, 22, it says that he breathed this shalom on his disciples, giving them the Holy Spirit. COVID wasn't going on then. He was able to breathe on them, but he breathed, he breathed this, this Holy Spirit onto them. And I've missed that so many times in reading um, this part of the scripture that he gave them shalom. He breathed it on them by breathing on them the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit, I receive peace and I receive shalom and I receive holiness. Not in my own, not in my own doing. I'm powerless against sin, against Satan, apart from Christ. I'm, I'm, I am completely powerless without that Holy Spirit. This has helped me see that the pursuit has to be holiness, but not mine. It has to be Christ's holiness that I'm pursuing if I want to have shalom in my life. Remember, God tells us you must be holy as I, the Lord, am holy. But this is where, again, that, Satan tries to disrupt that shalom. How can I be what God 
calls his followers to be. We're called to be set apart, right? The church, ecclesia. We're called to be set apart and holy, but when we're just as sinful as the rest of humanity, how can we be set apart? How can we be called out? How can we be, can we be holy and experience shalom? This is where we get to see God's multidimensional personality. You see, God's also a God of mercy. He's a God of grace, of forgiveness for our sins, and he removes those sins from his holy sight and gives us the gift of salvation in return. That is that Levitical, that shalom offering. He gives us the gift when we lay it down at his feet, when we lay ourselves down at his feet. And, and I think this is important as, as he removes these, this sin from our lives. We, we see that in Isaiah. Isaiah was allowed to, to approach the holy of holies. He was allowed only, only the holy were allowed to be in. And, and God allowed, God looked past that and allowed him to enter that holy of holies. Um, and, and this is a perfect vision of what was to come, right? When Jesus would, would take the place of that separation of the holy of holies. And, and I love that it gives us a glimpse of what God's plan was for wholeness and holiness in this world. So what does that do for me today? How does that help us sitting here today? Let's go back to that idea of wholeness for a second or holiness with a W. Experiencing shalom and peace of God through holy living. Listen, this is our main scripture for, for this morning is in Ephesians chapter four. So if you wanna turn there, Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read uh, 17 through 24, and then I'm just going to hop ahead to, to Ephesians 5. But if you want to turn that, it should be up here if you can, it might be a little small to see. Ephesians 4, 17 says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their own thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from a life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have, they have given themselves over to sensuality and, uh, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then Paul goes on to describe what this holy life in Christ looks like. This is for us. If we, we're called to live this holy life, if we wanna be whole, then we've got to be holy. But how, God? I sin every day and I hate that part of my life. How then can I be holy? And this is what he says in, in Ephesians 5. Follow God's example. Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Tim Thompson in our teaching team meeting about, about a month ago or so about this sermon said this, and I loved it. Holiness isn't what you look like. So we spend our time focusing on. Holiness isn't what you look like. It's who you look like. Imitators of God by being imitators of Christ. We need to look like Christ. 
Clothe yourself in Christ, not like the holy roller or the hypocrite. It's, this is about integrity, about genuine, sincere imitators of Christ, not perfection. You didn't hear that word, be perfect, but be imitators of Christ and be genuine, be authentic, clothing yourself in Christ. There is no place for guilt because God sees Jesus, not my sin. I love this illustration. And in this, um, Alan Burris is our spiritual formations director at Sherwood Oaks. And he's a farmer, he farms in Mitchell. And uh, he um, tells this story about sheep. And it reminded me of a story, some dear friends of ours, the Reddens, they farm cattle. And I've heard this story before. And, and, but I, and I know what you're thinking. Nate, how, what in the world are you talking about cows and sheep? What does that have to do with us? And how is this illustration gonna help us understand wholeness and holiness? And I promise, stick with me, it will. Uh, Alan Burris wrote this. Years ago, in, in a simpler time, two female sheep, ewes, give birth to two lambs on the same afternoon. In the process, one of the ewes dies, leaving an orphan lamb. The other ewe gives birth to a lamb that dies. So essentially, you have a mom without a baby and a baby without a mom. Naturally, we think, hey, problem solved. Let's put the two together. But the problem is the mother, you, will reject the orphan lamb because it doesn't smell like hers. So what does the shepherd do? The shepherd takes the lamb who has died, removes its skin, and drapes it over the skin of the orphan. The mother then smells her own and adopts it, allowing it to nurse and to live. And cattle, this can happen with cattle as well. Not perfect, but isn't this what God does for us? I, I know the only way I'm going to look like Christ, the Lamb of God, is by clothing myself in Him. Because apart from Him, I look nothing like Him. But if I can clothe myself, if I can drape Him around myself, because I know He took the punishment, He received God's holy wrath toward sin, and now I'm adopted into God, by the Holy God, and I can be holy because of Christ in me, not because of me. This is where wholeness and shalom comes from. It's not in this vicious cycle of striving to be holy, to be pure, to do this, because I'm just going to beat myself up in this vicious cycle over and over, and, and I'll never feel whole, right? God says, no, I want you to experience shalom Jesus endured this. He went through the holy wrath so that you don't have to, that I don't have to. So 2021, Heather talked about New Year's resolutions, and I agree. I try to set goals be, throughout the year and throughout kind of different week, my weekly goals and things. And, and you know what happens? After some time, I don't get it, and the guilt's there. Nope, let's circle that and draw an arrow to the next week. Let's circle it and keep drawing it till hopefully we'll finally get to, to that New Year's resolution. But this world needs this to be the number one resolution for us from the church, from Ecclesia. It needs to be this. Pursue shalom and pass it on to those around us that are desperately seeking it. Because what happens? We don't feel it in shalom. So then we don't offer that shalom or show people outside of church what that shalom looks like. And then they don't want any part of it, right? Or we, holy roller, or we look with the hypocrisy, we look like we've got it and they don't want any part of that either. So what are we offering them? That's, that's this morning, that's the shalom. 
And I think this is really important. As Jesus taught us to pray, think about that prayer. Your kingdom come, or thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's teaching us to pray for shalom, right? To pray for that shalom. Shalom is God's gift to the world, that, and we didn't deserve it. He was teaching us to pray for it. As Christians, with the hope given by Jesus' resurrection, we can't just sit and wait for the restoration of all things, right? When shalom, when Christ comes back, that's what a lot of us are hoping for, right? We, we look forward to that day, but we can't live today just longing for that day. We have to live that day now. We have to be imitators of Christ now so that we can offer the world something now so they don't miss what's coming when that day comes. And, and I think that's, that this, this whole shalom, I, I always picture um, the pastor at Southside before I came to Sherwood Oaks, Craig Moore, always left every sermon off with go in peace. And now I understand this shalom, go in peace, is for us to live that peace now on earth. And I think there's a reason that shalom is used. Peace is used 429 times in the Bible. I think there's a reason. And it, this year may have been completely unexpected for all of us but it wasn't unexpected for God. God is still sovereign. He's still sitting on that throne, right, in shalom. Even when we don't see shalom here on earth, even when shalom is not, peace is not happening here on earth, God still reigns sovereign over it. And this year wasn't unexpected for him. It's definitely my word for 2021, and I think it needs to be ours when we talk about these resolutions. And as we prepare here in just a little bit for communion, I, I just love that this sermon about spiritual wholeness and holiness is a perfect symbolism of what we do each week when we take that communion. Shalom is taking them together during this time. It's a reflection of Jesus' gift of salvation that made us holy. And think about what we get to share in. We talk about his, his body that was broken for us, the blood that was poured out for us, but we didn't have to experience that. He took on God's holy wrath and gave us the gift. We get to eat and partake in that shalom offering and we didn't have to offer anything up in return other than living our lives and being imitators of Christ for him, even when we fail. So if you haven't accepted that gift this morning, let this morning be that day. Accept that free gift and and. Trust me, there, there's a celebration in heaven as you eat that meal, you share in that meal as the atonement's happened, right? That shalom offering, there will be angels cheering alongside you in heaven and we'll be cheering alongside you here. Let today be that day that you accept that gift. And for those of you that have already accepted that gift, then let today be the day that you start experiencing shalom. Peace with God, peace with others and peace within yourself. That's what we can offer the world. That's what we can offer the world in this, after this awful year and in the hope of this new year. Shalom experienced as we approach the unknowns of what might happen in 2021. It's not unexpected to God. I wanna end today, I wanna read this devotional and all I did was um, I added a couple words to make it personal for right now what we're going through. And it's a devotional that I read and it just kind of summarizes everything about this spiritual wholeness and holiness in, in a much better words than mine. Um, it goes like this. Jesus, first of all, reconciles us to God, but he does so by taking on himself the curse of sin 
so that all who are united to him by faith receive his blessing of shalom. The wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest. There is no shalom for the wicked. But on the cross, God the Father treats Jesus as the wicked deserves to be treated. Jesus cries out as he loses his fellowship with the Father and experiences unimaginable inner agony. That's that lack of shalom in, in, in our, in, that we experience inside. He experienced it for the first time, what we experienced. God is reconciling all things to himself through Christ. He experiences infinite pain so that we can know infinite and endless shalom. And although he's not yet put everything right, right? He's, he's not yet that atonement, that, that final atonement, that final ending, right, the, that we've been waiting on. Those who believe in the gospel enter into the experience, this reconciliation of all things. This peace is first of all, shalom with God through the justification by faith. There was a barrier between God and humanity, but Jesus paid that debt and now there is shalom. This peace cannot increase or decrease. Though in ourselves, we, act, we are actually ungodly. In Christ, we are justified and accepted. No exceptions. There's no increase or decrease in that acceptance, in that shalom, in that peace. We're given it to its fullest. Jesus also brings shalom of God or peace within. The peace of God guards our hearts against anxiety, difficulties, and sorrows. It is possible to have peace so deep that we can be content in any circumstance, even in times of great difficulty, like 2020, like a pandemic, right? The, the peace of Christ is so closely related to joy that we might say that joy is God's peace and reconciliation lived out. That's our job, to live it out in joy, to live out that shalom for others to see. The God of peace sanctifies us, growing us into Christ-like character and maturity. Finally, Jesus brings us shalom with other human beings. Our peace with and from God gives the resources to maintain unity and love with others through continual forgiveness and patience with them. Christ is our peace, and by his death on the cross, he removes even the high barriers that divide us. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we just, uh, we come before you this morning, God. We are humbled and we are grateful. And God, we um, want to experience shalom. God, we want to experience peace in this world that only you can give. And God, I pray that the lies of Satan uh, don't convince us uh, of, of anything other than you've given us shalom. You've given us that peace in Jesus. And all we have to do is accept that free gift and eat that, that precious meal of atonement, God, that you took away our sins. God, thank you for that gift. And I pray that we can live in this world and show others um, that peace that I know uh, they're desperately seeking. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.